Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is Kansas State's Felix Enidike Uzama, and you're listening to the PowerCat Podcast on the 24-7 Sports Podcast Network. Make sure you're subscribing to this show on your favorite podcast provider. Welcome to another edition of the Powercat Questions Podcast, brought to you by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. I was just there. You know what I bought? Taco Bell. I bought ice, and then I went to the bought Taco Bell. Ice, ice, baby? Yeah, I didn't do that, though. Is this going to get brought down now since I said that? Ooh, maybe we'll get flagged for copyright infringement. I don't know, but nobody else has Cole Carmody. He is ours. Tim Fitzgerald, Zach Carlson, and the Cole Carmody. Our Ryan Gilbert, who we miss so much, has been on a short vacation, and now he's slinging drinks at a place that I can't mention. The other taco place. Well, look, I mean, in all fairness, there's other liquor stores in town, and some businesses don't use the fridge wholesale liquor. Some of them are fine businesses, but they won't be mentioned here because most, most of the bars and do we have nightclubs? What do we want to say here? There's just bars in this town, right? Uses the fridge wholesale liquor. So should you. I want to know what you call a nightclub in this town. Does R.C. McGraw's count as a nightclub? Might be if you're driving a pickup. Are we Are we sure we can mention that in accordance to your rules? I, ooh, I don't know. I have no idea. I imagine they do. I don't know. Get into the fridge. I was just in there. They got a lot of fresh stuff sitting around. Just all kinds of stuff. Plucked right out of the fridge liquor fields. You got fields and fields of liquor growing. Pulled those bottles off, put them on the storefront. Oh, it's a beautiful thing. The fridge at the corner, this and that in this town. Hey, it's going to be Halloween and homecoming this weekend. So, uh, yeah, there's double reasons to go to the fridge. So make sure you do. It was really quiet in there. It's like the quiet before the storm. What are you going to be for Halloween? I'm going to be the sexy sports writer again. Okay. It always works. The joke that will never end. Again, this is the Powercat Questions podcast. It is very simple. Everyone gets to listen. I mean everyone. They just download it at their podcast provider or head on over and listen to it on our megaphone platform that we use. Whatever works for you, you can listen to this podcast. But if you want to ask questions, you got to be a subscriber at GoPowerCat.com and get into our thread, the questions thread, 
every week at Wabash Station, our premium message board. And now Mr. Cole Carmody is going to start reading those questions, and I will babble on endlessly. Before we do ask the first oh, question, boy, we would goes. like to point out that oh, there are some new people on this podcast. Welcome so new people. Welcome new people. And there's also some veterans. Hey, veterans. They're coming back. They're not redshirting like Will Howard. They uh, decided to make their return. in the action. So they're back. First question. Hold on. Welcome newcomers. We're not going to give you shout outs. We, I was too we've got lazy so to look. many newcomers. No, I'm not going to throw you under the bus, man. You can throw me under the bus. I was too lazy. Zach to was too lazy to do it. There we go. We said it. Go he ahead. shouldn't have thrown that throw across his body. Unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's just horrible. First question comes from Wildcat Pilot 88. Seeing how Will Howard came off the bench and led four scoring drives, do you think he should remain QB2? If so, how would you see the three games he has left this season, assuming Adrian Martinez is healthy? Well, I would imagine he's going to play Saturday. I don't see any way Adrian will be ready to go. I think he'll be available, for example, if something happens to Will like did on Saturday. I think Adrian would be capable of going in. They've got to get that knee healed up. He just can't keep pounding on it. I mean, two weeks of healing went away in one play. So uh, I'll be a little surprised if they play him. Um, But uh, intentionally, I mean, maybe they'll have to. They still want to get that red shirt on him, and and maybe this is the phase of the season in which we're going to see Will Howard. Maybe these three games in a row, we'll see him. Whether he starts or not next week with Texas, I mean, maybe you want to bring him in for some quarterback run game. I'm not sure. Maybe you want to bring him in to throw the ball further downfield. I, what I don't understand is, I when I watch the two quarterbacks play, I don't see Will Howard having a better arm than Adrian Martinez. Now, I don't think Adrian Martinez has the same arm he used to after that shoulder surgery, but I think they're pretty equal. And yet they called a completely different game for Will Howard to throw the ball down the field than they do with Adrian, and I don't quite understand it. I almost I don't disagree with you, Fitz, that Adrian that Will Howard doesn't have as strong of an arm as Adrian because uh, I think he just throws the ball a little differently. Like there's a lot more velocity that comes out of the hand from Adrian. I also think he's a little bit more conservative with what he decides to throw. I agree. He's going to throw the check down five-yard pass as opposed to Will Howard saying, you know what? I trust Cade Warner. I'm going to throw it up there. It's either he's either going to score a touchdown, it's going to get intercepted, or it's going to be incomplete. Right? Those are those are the three outcomes that can happen on any play. But in that situation, it's it really truly is. a toss-up. Right? So Literally. If K-State would have thrown an interception, if Howard would have thrown an interception on that play, I don't think fans really would have been that mad because it was one-on-one. Like, you're giving your guy a chance to make a play, and the risk-reward at that point in the first quarter, it's probably worth it. So, I mean, yeah, as far as remaining quarterback two, I think he is quarterback two. If anything, I think Jaron Lewis may be quarterback three. I asked Chris Kleiman, hey, are you sure? Like, and where? Are you sure you want to do this with Rubley? And he said, Jaron's quarterback four. I would not be surprised. When's the next road game? Baylor. If they take Jaron Lewis two, so you have four quarterbacks on the yep. trip instead of three. I just don't know how you can trust Jake Rubley after that. That was, I'll be honest, that was probably one of the worst two series of quarterback play I've seen in a K-State game in a long time. And I felt bad for him because he just was painfully obvious he wasn't ready. He wasn't ready. He was the moment was way too big for him. Um, and I appreciate the fact that Chris Kleiman called out Colin Klein's play calling. He did. He said we shouldn't have this kid thrown across his body. That was a tough throw for a veteran quarterback, let alone a kid that's coming off the bench. You got to drop it in a bucket over the top. I mean, he shouldn't have thrown the ball. 
It, it, it was too covered up from the angle. I mean, and we we benefited because we were looking right down the same angle, and it was covered up. It was obvious. And so it, um, I do appreciate that, you know, Coach Kleiman noted that, hey, we can't ask this kid to do that. We can't put him in that situation and, and lead to a turnover on our side of the field. So, yeah. Regarding Martinez, I brought this up after the press conference on Tuesday, but it really wouldn't surprise me if there's some gamesmanship being played here. Gundy says Adrian Martinez is going to play. We're going to prepare like he's going to play. Kleiman says, so if he's available, he'll play. And then he proceeds to talk about Will Howard for the whole press conference. It wouldn't surprise me. And I know I, I, I'm not banking on Adrian Martinez playing, but I would not be shocked to see him play and see him start simply because I don't think that Chris Kleiman would go and talk about Will Howard and basically for the entire press conference if Adrian Martinez wasn't going to play. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like I feel like if they knew he wasn't going to play, there would be some more gamesmanship going on. But but I think it speaks to how great of a first half Will Howard played at TCU on Saturday. I don't think there's much of a drop-off, to be for, honest. For coming in in the fashion he did, that was the most well-used one game out of four games for a red shirt that you could have hoped for. I mean, it was... <clears throat> They cashed in perfectly, and yeah, the game didn't go well. And honestly, if he doesn't get injured on that third down, I think they get the first down, and I think they're in that game. I think they the win the game. I think they can win the game because that was the real momentum shift there. You have to bring, you kick the field goal into the wind. Chris Tennant had no business kicking that field goal. That's not on. That's not on Tennant nope. on that one. We can talk about the other one, but that one, that was just the play call should have been go for it on fourth down, and you know Jake Rubley having to come in at the end there, you know he was in over his head at that point. But I, you know I I think that Will Howard starts on Saturday, and there should be no question what he showed in that first half at TCU that he is fully capable of quarterbacking a team, you know, for the chance to be the number two team in the conference at this point, he's earned it. He proved it. And quite frankly, we've talked about this before and we've known it. Will Howard is a more than capable quarterback in the big 12. Yep. You brought us into our next question, Zach from mountain Joe. Did Will Howard change any hearts and minds on his ability to be a big 12 quarterback going forward from this game? I will say, I wish this is where we had Ryan Gilbert because I know his opinion would be different than ours, but what say you Fitz? Oh yeah. There's no doubt about it. I mean, we finally saw a glimpse of the kid that they keep talking about in practice, how good he is. And that was what I was told in the off season that they felt like it just was a little bit overwhelming to him to go into a game, but if he just calms down and plays, he's really good. We saw him calm down and play, and you know there was nobody, there was no pressure on him. He literally had nothing to lose, and he played that way. Yeah, I'm going to throw it into coverage down here in the corner. If it's picked off, it's a touchback or something. And Cade Warner took the ball. He made a play, and I I appreciated what Chris Kleiman said at the press conference. You know, he said this. People have been all over Will Howard. They've been on him. Folks, lighten up. I mean, just <laughs> lighten up. I know the kid, if you want to say, well, he's not playing well, that's fine. But it, when you get into these personal, he sucks, I wish he'd transfer. What we were saying, that, come on. Be more mature than that. I mean, if you want to give some fair analysis, that's cool. We saw a really good quarterback for a while, and I don't feel like he dropped off. I felt like they changed the way they were calling the game for him. Colin Klein needs to look at what he did, and believe me, I'm going to ask him about this on Thursday. 
did you change the plays you're putting on the field or was it just execution? Now, he'll probably say execution, but I, he changed the plays. They stopped throwing the ball down the field as much as he was in early down situations or, you know, earlier in that game. And they let TCU load up the box and take away the run. You have to put him in a position to succeed. And for him to succeed, we've seen it now. You've got to throw it downfield. You've got to stretch the field. He can't run the ball through gaps like Adrian Martinez can. But, man, he ran that option read. And it was comical watching the safety just staring at Deuce Vaughn as Will Howard ran right past him one time. So he can do it, but he doesn't have the same explosiveness. Now, in the open field, Stuke can run. He's got long legs. He'll, he'll unwind those things, but it takes him a little bit to get going. And he also doesn't lift his feet very well. And on grass fields, he gets he, he trips. He does. It's just kind of a problem. But I hope he changed some hearts and minds because he's a great kid. He's a wonderful young man. I never see him transferring from K-State. He loves it here. And they're recruiting his brother. And they're recruiting his brother. I mean, and I see why, because it, the family's a gold mine. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm all in on Will Howard. I, I wish nothing but success for this kid. I hope he comes in Saturday. I hope he plays Saturday and just throws it all over Oklahoma State while Deuce Vaughn's able to run, and they win a game. I hope. He deserves it. And Fitz, you ready? you ready to bleep this out? You're ready. Watch your tape thing. Okay. I hope he comes in and airs that out and oh. throws it for 300 yards, four touchdowns, oh. and K-State scores 40 points. Well, let's write that down. That was an unexpected use of a word. It's uh, a new word. I know. I liked it. That's that's what I hope happens. Um, they're going to have to score a lot of points to beat Oklahoma State. But again, we've sat here, and, and I agreed with the move to bring in Adrian Martinez. I did because you, you just don't know. You don't feel comfortable. I, I And I think looking back on it, it was the right move because you have a first-year offensive coordinator and a fifth-year quarterback. I think Adrian has helped Colin as much as Colin has helped Adrian. Those two have been absolutely perfect together. And now that Colin's kind of gotten a chance to figure out how he wants to run this offense, I think it showed against CCU that it didn't really matter who was playing quarterback. Now, would the game plan have been the same thing with Adrian? I don't know. I got the feeling that they were going to try and throw the ball down the field. And so maybe it would have been. Um, but I have had gotten this brought up to me and, and I'm curious what you guys think. This is from someone who's very close to me that said, it feels like at times when Colin Klein is really struggling to get the ball moving on offense, he calls plays that he would have been successful in right. when he was I playing. I and agree. I hadn't thought about that, but it makes a lot of sense. And I felt like we kind of got that, right? And, and I'm sitting up there in the press box on the play right before Will Howard gets hurt. Was it like third and eight? I turn to Fitz. I go, you're going to run two straight quarterback powers. They're going to run two quarterback powers. The first one was a quarterback power, and he got hurt. And I can specifically remember telling you, well, they're going to run it again. I guess we didn't get back up. So they had to kick it, and they missed it. But I think he would have got it if they would have ran it again. I agree. So sometimes, you know, for, for better or for worse, Colin refers to what he knows best when they get into tricky situations. And a lot of the times, that's not throwing the ball down the field. If anything was proven... In the, in the first half of the TCU game, well, not even the first half, the whole game, because it makes my point how ridiculous the rhetoric from K-State fans has been on, oh, Will Howard sucks, got to get rid of him, I'd rather see Jake Rubley. Quite frankly, it would not surprise me if there are K-State fans out there that when Will Howard went down, they're like, hey, we get to see Jake Rubley now, and he's going to win us the game. Well, look what happened. Yeah. Will Howard is a talented quarterback. He won at TCU before. He's had plenty of good games 
under his belt already with the chance for more. I mean, we've talked about this before. Skylar Thompson struggled early on in his career. If you look at the same trajectory of Skylar Thompson and Will Howard, you're basically right there. There is no doubt in my mind that if Will Howard wanted to stay, became the starter next year and was the starter for two years, he could be just as successful as a starting quarterback as Skylar Thompson, who everyone loved by the end of his career. But boy, they fought him. They, they, there was a whole bunch of people that preferred Alex Delton over him. It was the same kind of situation. And I mean, I, I think that it's just the culture of being a sports fan right now. If something's not working, something's got to change. Coach, well, college coaches, they fire him and they'll pay billion-dollar buyouts. Well, if we can't change the coach, let's change the quarterback because this isn't working. Well, be patient. But it just proved all offseason, what we've said on this podcast, what others have said, give Will Howard a chance, quit ridiculing him like Chris mm-hmm. Kleiman said today, and and cheer for the guy. Can you imagine what would have happened last year going back on this if this would have been the game playing with Will Howard at quarterback against Texas? Mm-hmm. They would have won that game by 30 points. Yeah. I. They're going to have to come up with some creative solutions. And when we're coming back from TCU on Sunday, we're talking about this. They've got to find someone to run the Wildcat. And and that can't be Deuce Vaughn. They need to have a legit running or throwing threat back there. Now, Malik Knowles has shown he can throw the ball. He threw it this year. Had it's a completion. But I don't know if he's the right guy for this. I mean, you kind of have to be able to read a defense. A guy like Seth Porter's done it a lot in his career at the high school level. He can throw the ball. He's Sammy. one of the fastest guys on the team. Sammy Wheeler. Sammy Wheeler needs to be used on those short yardage situations. I mean, everyone's stealing from the Chiefs now where they bring Kelsey or exactly. another tight end in motion, and he goes under center to take the snap. God, the guy's a former quarterback. He's used to this. He's a big kid. He came in the media room today. He's a big, good-looking kid, man. Um, Congratulations, mom, dad. Uh, But uh, yeah, just use him a little more. I mean, he's he's been he was a quarterback. He's done this. This shouldn't be anything new. And when they asked Jake Rubley, who isn't a real big, strong guy, I mean, he's more of a finesse quarterback. And he's not as physically developed as a Will Howard or an Adrian Martinez, and he's trying to sneak the ball. It just didn't stand a chance when you got a guy right down the line of scrimmage who could take that snap and get a good push. Linebacker, linebacker made a great play on that. I don't know if you had oh, to go over the top. That was a great play. It was a great play. Either way. Uh, next question comes from Colorado Cat. Given K-State's history of place kicking, love talking about kicking, can you discuss how far it has fallen off? Grammatica, Ream, the Cantelli's, Lynch, etc. Have we taken it for granted? Is it hard to find one? Well, Sean Snyder is a great kicking and punting coach. That's always that's his area. That's his sweet spot. And I think we're, we have seen a drop off in place kicking. Um, but honestly, Chris Tennant has all the tools. Chris Tennant is more talented than half the guys that they just. Well, listed. I don't know about that, but he can. We're Leg wa- strength wise. He, we're watching him rip the ball pretty good in pregame. And then he gets into the game. And I said this with Brian Hanley. And then he's out there trying to steer it between the goalposts, which is the last thing you can do in wind. I mean, you're, you're just putting it up to chance at that point, And it didn't work out. They got to, it's, it's a mental thing. They got to get him to drive that ball every freaking time he's on the field. Drive it through the uprights. Quit trying to steer it around. Um, and I think he tried to steer it into the wind. 
and he didn't have a chance. He needed to absolutely blast that ball to get it there, uh, and he didn't. So this is a mental thing. But Chris Kleiman isn't saying, he's my guy, I'm going to do it. He, he said, we're going to look at everyone. And that might include Ty Zentner on some of these. But, boy, when when you lose you know, basically nine points in field goal cooking, you had two misses and they got one make. And in a 10-point game, it's pretty obvious how, how fine of a line this game was on. And Chris Kleiman said it again today. It just came down to a few plays, and it really did. Cade Warner makes the catch. You know, something else happens. Yeah. Well, Howard doesn't get hurt. He stays in the game, probably to win. It, there was a lot that went on in this game that was very frustrating and just felt like once TCU got the stop in the second quarter, something magical happened with the Frogs, and they became princes. But <laughs> for, for me— That's it for the podcast. We're <laughs> for me, the, the kicking goes beyond just this game. This game was tough. There was one field goal he had no business kicking. That one wasn't his fault. The other one where he doinked off the upright, he had the win, he had the distance. That one should have been in. Should have been a seven-point game. But I think it goes beyond this game and previous games. It truly feels like it's a coin flip when he's on the field. Right. It feels like a 50-50. You know, all those guys that were mentioned, the Reams, Cantelli's, Blake Lynch, Gramatica. He can throw in... Uh, can't think of his name. Blake Lynch? No, not Blake Lynch. Before Blake Matthew Lynch. Matthew McCrane. McCrane, thank you. Matthew McCrane. You know, guys that are they're accurate, and a few of them have had struggles before, but they worked through it. But it, it doesn't feel like there's a second option. You know, if a guy's struggling, I feel like Kleiman has ridden Tenet so far at this point where he's almost banking on, well, he's got to make one. It's, you know, at some point he's got to hit, right? But, you know, I, I feel like it would take the pressure off of Tennant a little bit if there was another guy to go out there and, be- and make a field goal. I believe what was the, the two options that were brought up on Tuesday were Leighton Simmerine. I believe that's who he said would be up next, would be the freshman from Rosemount, Minnesota. Um, and then you would have the, uh, the obviously, the punter ties in there would be the other option. If the K-State were to explore that realm, they do have another kicker on the roster by the name of Grant Snowden, a Manhattan High alum. So we'll see what they decide to do. But, yeah, I mean, Chris Tennant is 6'5", 220 pounds. No, he's the whole part. I mean, he, he looks like Harrison Butker out there. So you, you would hope that he'd be able to figure it out. But I know they have some pretty good kicker recruits, kicker guys coming in. So you would think that problem would get solved sooner rather than later. Um, but as far as this season goes, yeah, you, you, you just it's between the years. He's got to figure it out. No doubt. Mm-hmm. The final question of the podcast, a very interesting name. I don't First know if I've seen half this half of the podcast. What did I say? The podcast. You ended it early. We're not ending early. No. We're not leaving. Uh, comes from Philly Cheesesteak. Like yep. just spelled like that? No, it's the C-H-Z. Oh. And steak is spelled like steak and yeah. not like a steak like oh. in the ground. Not a steak like a I want I want to know if he's a horrible speller or if there's a secret meaning to that i don't know all right philly let us know in the comments four straight scores and then no scores in the second half was the cause the play calling or what adjustments did tcu make to shut down k-state no we did ask about this and will howard said it just felt like they amped it up they they were more aggressive but i do think k-state got away from throwing the ball down the field and they were able to load up the box a little bit and focus in on a you know an 80 percent deuce vaughn if you want to say that and then 
they kind of took out Will Howard. There's no polite way to say it. It looked like they took him out. I, I, I'll be honest. I'm going to say this right now. I think TCU's defense sucks. I don't. I think they're very athletic. Schematically, they don't know what they're doing yet. Yes. But they are getting by with great athleticism. That's and, fair. And they were really aggressive, and they can take chances when their offense gets rolling. But their offense wasn't rolling. They scored, and then K-State did a good job slowing them down. And they got a little more conservative on defense, and that helped K-State move the ball with Will Howard. But then by the time that – and keep this in mind – I mean, TCU gets the late score, and then K-State really doesn't do anything. They kneel on it. Go to locker room, TCU gets the ball back. They had an hour's rest, and now it's 28-24. Last time they'd been on the field of a drive of any substance, it was 28-10. to So that changed the whole context of the game, and they brought it. That Max Duggan sets the tone for that entire football team. Jalen Daniels sets the entire tone for the KU football team. And when you got a quarterback like that, they make your defense better. And anyone who knows what I'm talking about gets it. If you, if you don't understand what I'm saying, I, I'm sorry. But a quarterback can make your defense a lot better, and those guys do. And Max Duggan said, hey, we got the rhythm now. Go get them. And they went and got them. Max Duggan can be – or excuse me, Will Howard can be what Max Duggan is for TCU. He could. Uh, the, the difference is Max Duggan gets a jaw hit, gets a helmet to the jaw – Gets up and keeps playing. That is a tough son of a. Well, I, I don't want to say that word again. Was that me or you? That was you. That was you. Man, it's just not right. I don't know. I don't think it's TCU's secondary getting beat. They were getting consistently beat with one on ones. I mean, as much as we talk about K State, and maybe we credit K State's receiver. Maybe we need to do that. They uh, made some great plays. They made some great catches. So we've got to give credit where credit is due. They beat TCU one on one. All I know is if I'm an opposing coach and I'm seeing K-State's receivers consistently beat TCU's receivers one-on-one, guess what I'm doing? I'm throwing up 50-50 balls all game long. And if K-State is lucky enough to play TCU again, if they are somewhat healthy, I really like their chances. Mm-hmm. I just I think that TCU is just a second-half team. You look at what they did against True. Oklahoma State, K-State, I just think they have that mentality. that, And really, the momentum just shifted. The way that the game, or the way the first half ended, TCU is able to get that long drive, score right before the half, and get the ball to start the third quarter, and drive down, score a touchdown. K State offense, like you said, said about the defense, TCU's defense being fresh off the field for an hour. K State's offense hadn't touched the ball for anything meaningful for an hour or two. So this game was lost on the final K State possession of the first half, and you could feel it. You could feel that the energy of that stop by the defense, TCU was like, here we go, and off they went. If K-State scores there, and not even a touchdown, if they possess the ball, eat up clock, kick a field goal with Chris Tennant, can just roll out there and hit the ball, and they go up 31-10 at halftime, it's three touchdowns, they don't get the late touchdown in the first half, so they can't cut two touchdowns off and basically one elongated possession. They win the game, period. End of story. You I'm so, can't let TCU off the hook. I'm still bothered that they had 15 seconds. I don't remember where the ball started after that kickoff when it was 28-17. But they, they were around able the 25. To, what? Around the 25. They did bring it out to about the yeah. 25. Mm-hmm. They, they had to go 30 yards to get it to maybe the 40, 45, and just at least get 
10 and out there because the wind was he made a 65 yarder in warmups with distance to go. I don't know why you don't just take a flyer, try getting it to midfield or the 45 and just send a guy out there. It would have been fine. Again, I'll say that is not something Chris Kleiman has done in the past. But no. Just, but as we've talked about, just because he hasn't done it in the past doesn't mean he can't start. Again, but he I, had two timeouts in 15 seconds. You could have tried. You could have thrown a couple I'm of passes you. and seen what you could have done. You're preaching to the choir. I said this with Brian Hanley. I will say it again. Chris Kleiman's previous head coaching job, if he's up 28-10 in the second quarter, there is no need to give the other team an opportunity to get a turnover. They're going to win. That isn't true at Kansas State. That isn't true in the Big 12. Nobody in this conference is so good that you can knock someone out with 18-point lead at halftime. That's not happening in this conference. You can't do that to Kansas this year. Nobody. Tech, no. Iowa State, who knows? Maybe they'd magically discover their offense. I don't know how you get up on 18 on Iowa State, though. That's the other point. He needs to learn to coach with fewer quality players. I don't want to say that better. He needs to learn to coach with equal or even lesser talent. And when he does, this is going to be a heck of a program. And by the way, I do want to give a shout out to K-Ned. I used his stats today in the press conference talking to him, and I actually physically handed them to Coach Kleiman. Um, it's hard to to communicate verbally those kind of stats and have them kind of register with the coach. So he gave me an answer, but he, I think he wants to look at it, and I think he'll probably have his analysts go look at it. If they don't score in the third quarter, Kansas State's in trouble. Those are really interesting stats. We'll be back right after this with more of the Powercat Questions podcast brought to you by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. This is Kansas State's Cooper Beebe. The leaders in K-State sports coverage will be right back with more of the PowerCat Podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is Kansas State's Daniel Green, and welcome back to the PowerCat Podcast on the 24-7 Sports Podcast Network. Welcome back to the PowerCat Questions Podcast. The Cole has a potty mouth edition, apparently. (laughs) I had to bleep out Cole. Man, what have I done to Cole Carmody? Such a nice young man has turned into a ball. Oh, he's just awful. Tim Fitzgerald, Zach Carlson, and Cole. I'm going to call everyone a <laughs> Carmody. Let me write that down. Back here in the GPC studios with two dogs that interrupted barking at one point, but I cut it out. Man, I'm nervous about this game Saturday, guys. I'm just K-State, Oklahoma State, 230. It's on Fox. K-State under Chris Kleiman hasn't beaten Oklahoma State. They've had his number. They may play without Adrian Martinez. Ah, ah, so much going on. And and honestly, I think Will Howard will be good, but not having Deuce Vaughn 100% is also a whole nother story. And we got more of your questions from Wabash Station. Remember, your, your sponsor for this podcast, the one that makes it all possible, are Kevin and the boys and the gals at the Fridge Wholesale Liquor. 
I was just in there. It's just fantastic. It's just, it's just kind of a happy place. And they're so nice there. And you walk in. I mean, they yell at me, Norm. Oh, hold on. That's, that's not who I am. Fitz. That's right. It's like, it's like my cheers. Cheers to them. Here's your questions. Cole. First question comes from Florida Cat Fan 90. You think he's in Florida? Or you think he just really likes Florida? Uh, yes. Okay. He wants to know, so TCU's offensive coordinator calls plays on the sideline. Should Colin Klein be moved to the field to gauge more of the game feel or the game and the players? I'm trying to remember if he was on the field for the bowl game. The answer to that last question is no, he was no, in the box. No, no. There was a guy that was tall and lanky and looked like Colin Klein on K-State's sideline who ran down one of the touchdowns, but that was not that Colin was Klein. Christian Ellsworth, I believe, former GA. Hmm. Uh, whatever the co- coaches were comfortable with. I mean, there's two ways to look at it. You can be down on the field where you could talk to the players face-to-face, get a feel for things. But, folks, if you've never been on a sideline in a college football game, huh. hmm. but, folks, if you've never been on the sideline for a college football game, uh, you can't see jack crap. I mean, particularly if there's a crowd on the field. You just can't see much. And so when we ask coaches post-game, they, they probably want to go, how the hell I know? I'm on the sideline. So being up there, it's more like a, a chess game when you can see the whole field. I, if I was offense coordinator, I'd want to be up in the press box. There's no way I'd Agreed. want to do it from the game or from the field. No way. And I don't think the location is what the problem here is. And I've said this repeatedly. Garrett Riley calls the same game in the first quarter, the second quarter, the third quarter, the fourth quarter. He's going to mix the run and attack you with the pass. They don't do anything different. Does it work differently at times? Do you defend it better at different times? Yes. But he keeps pushing, pushing, pushing. And that's what Colin Klein needs to learn. In this day and age, it's not 10 years ago even. you got to keep applying pressure or you'll put them in a position to come back. I don't think he is insinuating that Colin Clyde doesn't have a feel for the game. I don't think that's what Florida Cat Fan 90 is insinuating. But I will say this. I think that when fans sometimes look at coaches and say, this isn't working, why are you not doing something else? You're failing to understand that the other team is trying to stop you. The other team is trying to score on you, right? Just because... You're not having success doesn't mean you're doing something wrong. Now, Colin Klein will tell you, I should have been better. He'll say that on Thursday. I fully expect him to say that. But I don't think that him moving to the field by any way, shape, or form changes the outcome of the games, changes the outcome of the play calls. He's going to call the same plays whether he's on the field, in the stands, sitting at home watching the game on TV, or in the press box like he normally is. This is a this is a non-discussion point. This should be a, not even a, a thing. If he feels more comfortable in the box, he feels more comfortable in the box. And as far as Garrett Riley goes, I'm sure there are coaches in the box that are suggesting what plays to call, suggesting what plays to run, letting him know the formations that K-State is consistently lined up in. Play calling is not just on the shoulders of the offensive coordinator. It is literally a team effort, and sometimes fans don't realize that. Yep. Well said. Next question comes from Bone Cat Touchdown. I don't believe this mm, is a... Could be TD. No, it's a touchdown. Yeah, okay. Touchdown. Bone Cat TD. Bone Cat Touchdown. I like it. I don't think we've had him in a while. Uh, it's. A, I think this is a brand new poster. Okay. Brand well, new. Welcome to up, the website. I think. I think. Zach I think. he thinks. All right. What is a realistic expectation 
for this team with all of the injuries, is Arlington only possible if we get healthy? No, I mean Oklahoma State's beaten all to hell too. So, I mean, you get play the games. I think they need to win this one. I'm, I'm just going to say that. I mean, Texas already has a a loss to Texas Tech, so they're carrying two losses outside of of uh, you know anyone else, and they still have to play at TCU. Is, can, I'm going to say this: If K State wins this game, I think they're going to Arlington. I'm not going to go there. Not yet. I'm not going to go there because. Um, I, I still think Baylor's a really good football team. And, I mean, this stretch, this this is it. Oklahoma State, Texas, and Baylor, these are the teams he hasn't beaten. Uh, well, let me ask you this then. If K-State somehow finds a way to win this game, because that's, at the end of the day, if you don't win this game, the odds of you making it to Arlington go down significantly. Yes, it should. Yeah, yeah. So if they can find a way to win this game, do you feel confident that they'll win one out of three or do you feel confident that they'll win two out of three between Texas at home, at Baylor, and at West Virginia? Well, that, basically you're saying they've got to win at West Virginia. Will they beat one of the other two? I feel that falls on the positive side. I would bet that. But would I feel like it's a lock? Hell no. Hell no. Texas is a big physical football team. They get a level of athlete that honestly is hard for Kansas State to match up. And when they do, it's a beautiful thing because they shouldn't be able to. And Baylor, in some ways, does too. So, yeah, I'm not going to take anything from Granite, but got to win this. I mean, if they win this, I think it could snowball, right? I mean, if they don't win this, it could snowball. They, they, they you know, they could uh, get into some injuries and and really have some issues going forward into this long stretch. I mean, they do win; they're in a good position. But boy, they got a lot of work to do. You just everyone can beat you. I mean, it's entirely possible in this crazy conference. You beat Oklahoma State. You beat Texas. You're feeling good about it. You lose to Baylor. You lose to West Virginia. And suddenly you're coming home after two road losses fighting for your life against Kansas. To Cole's point, and initially I disagreed with it, but now I'm probably more in agreement with it. If you win this game and you beat Texas, you can kind of afford to lose to Baylor because that second place team is likely going to have two losses. That's what I'm Granted, saying. Because it, and if, it's not about how many, but who. Right. And if you beat Oklahoma State, you beat Texas. Those are the two you need to win, and then you can probably get away with losing to Baylor or West Virginia. And I can, I can, I can honestly say this: if you beat Oklahoma State, I think you can afford to lose to Texas because they still have to play TCU and they still have to play Baylor as well as Kansas. And we know the struggles they've had with them. I don't think there's any way Texas runs the table and wins four in a row because they have a bye week this week. Then they come to Manhattan. I don't think they run. I don't think they run the table one four in a row. I don't. If I they lose that. two more games, are they still in the discussion for the college football playoff? Mm, that is a great yeah. question. Mm. Let's call up Kirk. So expectations. We we everyone in this room thinks that Kansas State realistically can still make it to Arlington. Absolutely, they control their own destiny. They can win out, and they're in Arlington, guaranteed. I mean, there's no question about that. If you have one loss, you're going to be in Arlington. But I don't. It, they got to win this one. Seven. We'll know a lot more seven days from now. Here's the the factor. K State is so involved here. If they win Saturday with Will Howard playing, they're not going to worry about his red shirt. Absolutely not. They'll just they'll play him as needed going forward because I think he can add something to the field. Um, and it'd be unfortunate. But who knows? Maybe he turns around next year as a starting quarterback and like Skyler gets hurt early in the season and then then you're in a situation. But 
you know that you can redshirt him at that point. And I've said this. Will Harris is going to have two more years left. He's going to have next year, and then he'll have the the year after that with the COVID season. So unless you think Will Howard is going to be the quarterback for three years after this season, he'll have next year, the year after that, and the year after that as three years as your quarterback, there's no point of redshirting him. So, yeah, I think that he'll play a lot um, the rest of the season. The next question comes from Emaw in Iowa. AKA, so let me AKA, translate. That's a K-State fan that lives in Iowa. A.K.A. Emaw in heaven. It's quality. Heaven's curse climate. Yeah, there we go. It's oh, it's his burner. Climate's burner. It's the one we found out today. He's listening to this podcast. He basically has said it. That was so funny. <laughs> if if was, you haven't heard it, you, well, uh, I you need I, to go find was it. Was the question that I asked? Uh, yeah, it was about the passing game. Yeah. And he goes, "Well, you guys want us to throw it downfield and right, Fitz?" And I'm like, "Yeah, please do. Glad you're listening." <laughs> yeah, it was really funny. He is. A, he's very entertaining. Uh, Ema and Iowa wants to know thoughts on the football program in regards to the five, five, and two, where this program will be in five weeks, five months, and two years. Hmm. Strange time frame. Five weeks is the end of the year. All right. End of the year. End of the regular season. I thought they'd be nine and three. Lost to Tulane. Kind of factors in there. I thought they'd be six and three in the conference. And honestly, depending on, like Zach said, depending mathematically on who those wins and losses come against, that might get you a tiebreaker to get you to Arlington. Now, it would be less impressive at eight and four to be there than nine and three, but so be it. So that's all possible. Um, and then it was five months. Uh, five months, they'll be uh, in the summer. Right? They'll be in spring football, right? Well, we, we, we won't know much going on there. Avery Johnson will be in town. That is going to be an interesting storyline. And some other guys will be around, I think. The two years is interesting because I think we're going to see the fruits, if they can finish off the 2023 class with a flurry, and really fill it up with some quality kids that are able to play at an earlier date than maybe some of the guys they're getting. I think what we happened at T- what we saw happen at TCU in two years could be alleviated because now you'll have redshirt freshmen that are capable of stepping on the field and helping you. Because that was Ryan Wallace's point. It's not about the top guys you're getting, um, and I see people do this all the time. It's not. A, it's not about the elite guys. Yeah, Bill Snyder left some good players on this roster. But, boy, there was a lot of just crap in the last few recruiting classes, guys that just never panned out. And that's the guys you're talking about. That's the guys that whittle away at your depth in the in a couple years. So if they can put together really solid recruiting classes in 23 and 24 and start building up that depth along with using the transfer portal, I think the program's in really good shape. I think Chris Kleiman's the right guy. As I've said, I think he needs to acclimate a little bit more to playing at a program that has equal or lesser talent than some opponents, and I think he'll get there. Um, but he just needs time. We're seeing progress. It's incremental. There's no great dramatic breakthrough. But I need to remind you of something. There wasn't with Bill Snyder either. They kind of just ramped it up, and pretty soon they're a powerhouse in year five and six, and let's see what happens. Five weeks. I'll say that they have a great chance to be in Arlington. If they can win Saturday, I really like their chances. I so I, I'll preface that five weeks by saying they'll either be in Arlington or they will have been dang close to getting there. So that's my five weeks. In five months, I do think the biggest storyline will be Avery Johnson being on campus. There's no way around it, especially with Will Howard, right? How good is Avery, how good is Avery Johnson? 
How good is Will Howard? Is there going to be a quarterback competition? Is there not going to be a quarterback competition? That's going to be what in April? Fitz, that's all we're going to talk about. I hope you know that, Zach. Get ready to pick out a bunch of questions about Avery Johnson and Will Howard. That's all we're going to talk about. And in two years, I think this team can be really good. I really do. I really like the direction that this program is going. And in two years, Avery Johnson will be the quarterback. I don't know if Will Howard will still be here or not, but I'm pretty sure you'll have a redshirt freshman, Avery Johnson, out there playing quarterback. And I'll say this. There's going to be a lot of hype for the young man to come in and, and perform immediately. And and the odds of it happening immediately are probably not very good. We just don't see 18-year-olds come in and have immediate success. But there, if there's anybody that can do it that K-State has had at the quarterback position, it's this kid. I mean, he's the real mm-hmm. deal. I agree. He, he's going to he – he has the opportunity to completely – change the way that k-state football is played and so um i'm excited to see what colin klein and avery johns can do in two years so that's my five five and two answer zach you're up next i'm only going to take the five weeks because the five months and the two years are both similar to everyone else but i'll say cheese it bowl bound mm. i saw i saw After an five weeks alamo bowl versus usc prediction not fun. <laughs> that would be that would be a good matchup, though. It would, no, it'd be a good matchup. I think it would be nine I, and three. I, look, I think USC is going to be in the Rose Bowl. They're they're winning the champ. They're winning the season. The cheese. The they're winning the Pac twelve. There we go. Got it. They're winning the pa- They're winning the Big Ten eventually. Um, Alamo Bowl is one bowl above the Cheese Bowl, right? Alamo Bowl is the conference championship game losers of the Big Twelve and Pac twelve, theoretically. Theoretically. Okay. That would be good. All right. The last question of the podcast. I got this right. The actual, the last there you question go. of the podcast comes from Pain Train 95. Do you think Coach Tang's recruiting will rub off on the football program and actually all athletic programs? Shared ideas and thoughts between coaches? That's a great question. And I think they need to have some of that going on. But the two entities, football and basketball recruiting, are radically different. Uh, and the way they go about it. I mean, basketball, you, you go to events and you see oodles and oodles of good kids all in one location playing AAU basketball. In high school, of course, it's all about finding the, the kids playing high school football. And there might only be one good player on the team and you take the time to go watch the game or break down the tape. They're different. But where the the synergy, if you want to use a cliche word there, comes from is when you bring in football players in the off season, maybe to, you know, a, a January recruiting visit, and they can go into Bramlage Coliseum, and the place is packed, and the basketball program's rocking, and they get to see the insane fans, and the same with basketball's been taking players or recruits to football games, they get to see how incredible the student section is. That's where it kind of feeds off of each other, and I think Coach Tang understands that. I'm, I'm sure Chris Kleiman understands that. The two get along. I I do think um, there's there's some alliance there that can really benefit both programs. Agreed. I think that K State recruiting is in a very good place with the basketball department. I mean, we've seen it. This team is going to start getting five star kids sooner rather than later. Right. They're going to pull in those big time recruits, and I think this is the type of staff they stick together that can get the one and done type of kids. Um, this, if you want that, if they want that. Right. I mean, they're going to be able to start picking who they want, mm-hmm. like realistically. And football's not there yet. But again, how many times have we seen basketball recruits talk about, oh, I love the atmosphere at the football game? You know, now the goal is to say football recruits, oh, I love the atmosphere at the basketball game. See, I think for 
from a football recruiting standpoint, you want to have a good basketball team. Cause I think that caring about, uh, you know, a bad basketball team is tough to take football recruits to. I think what Tang is going to help K state with is he's going to get a good basketball team. It's going to be a great event to take recruits, football recruits to. And then on the other hand, you know, it's, it's nice seeing Tang at these football games, you know, Dowling, you know, hyping up the students, hyping up everything, you know, the players, these basketball recruits seem to love it, but you don't need to have as good of a football team as you need to as a, as good of a basketball team for it to pay off in a recruiting standpoint, my opinion. Yeah. Solid. Nice. That is just a bunch of okays. You got more, don't you? I agree. That's it. That was it. That is it. What do we, we got this, this half's a lot shorter than the first half. Was it me? Did I not talk as much? I don't think you kept your foot on the gas pedal. I think you decided oh, to play the clock. I third and, quartered the mm. crap out of this podcast, didn't I? I didn't even kick a field goal, did I? No, you didn't score any points. Yeah, that sounds like me. But we did. Well, we did. Did we, have a, did we have a backup quarterback in? I mean, we didn't. We're losing. We were missing a starter. Well, but injuries aren't we, an excuse. I mean, come on. He's a two-star walk-on, but a four-star bartender. We love you, Ryan Gilbert. We appreciate everyone listening. Make sure you're subscribing to the podcast. That's a thing. That way you get it as soon as it is sent to the podcast providers. So basically we we put up a link to our megaphone thing, but honestly, others have better interactive, you know, you probably Apple is better way to enjoy a podcast. So Apple, Amazon, Google. What else am I forgetting? Oh, Spotify. That's what I'm forgetting. I always forget Spotify because I'm an old Get on over there and subscribe. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. And if you're not subscribing to GoPowerCat.com, just think about it. Think about what you're getting for Christmas, and maybe you can tell the wife or the husband that you would like GoPowerCat.com. And I apologize for Cole's behavior in this podcast. He was not sampling stuff from the fridge, but he sure did seem like it. Thank you for listening to the PowerCat Podcast. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. PowerCat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com. Powercat.com.